Janice Robinson Baza, the Afro Optimist and Impact Investor. Welcome to Pamukuru with Janice podcast. As we would have had conversations in an African village sitting under the shade of a tree, a boabab tree in this instance, this podcast is about telling stories about Africa and its people through conversations with leaders who are making an impact in their spaces. The conversations aim to inspire and grow the love for Africa as we discuss the good, the bad, the flourishing, the retrogressing, the history, the present, and the future. To start off the podcast, I'm hosting a pre-launch season dedicated to International Women's Month with the theme this year is Break the Bias. And no, this is not just a conversation for women. Tune in and find out why. For this episode, I'm joined by Majita Maradzika, a chartered accountant who has specialized in the investment management field. Welcome, Majita. Thank you very much, Janice. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show and to participate in your podcast series. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you. This year's theme for International Women's Day is Break the Bias. What does that mean to you? To provide some context to what breaking the bias means to me, you find that traditionally women's issues have been compartmentalized. You find that there are specific organizations. For example, you've got UN Women. You've got specific um, ministries in government. You might find a ministry of women's uh, gender affairs in governments. You find various societal groupings, you know, championing women's rights and gender equality. So when I say that, you know, women's issues have been compartmentalized, I mean exactly that. You know, you'll find in a corporate environment, there's an HR department dealing with diversity and inclusion, um, dealing with, you know, employment equity and various things. So, and of course, all of these are noble um, plans and things that have gotten us to a particular place. But I think for me, when I talk about breaking the bias, you know, breaking that bias, to me, it means we need to um, champion gender equality and women's, and women's issues every day. Mm. We should not compartmentalize it to specific organizations or to specific times of the year. Because you find that we are currently in um, International Women's Month. And here locally in South Africa, we have a Women's Month in August, right? And so you find that sometimes organizations tend to do what I would call malicious compliance to tick the, you know, to tick the box to say, okay, it's Women's Month. We've had a, a Women's Day event. We've treated our female employees and after March, you know, life continues as normal. So for me, breaking the bias is to then say, okay, let us not be involved in um, malicious compliance. Let's deal with gender issues on a daily basis. Let it become part of our fabric in society to say, when I wake up or when I'm participating, uh, whether in a, in a family setting uh, in a social setting, in a corporate setting or global setting, if you are a, um, you know, one of those people who's participating or working globally, let me champion gender issues. Let's break the bias. And also, let's also say, instead of waiting for 
um, women's groupings or other things, everyone can be a champion for women, uh, for, for gender equality. Everyone can be a champion for women's rights and not just then looking towards women's rights groups to champion gender equality. So breaking the bias to me really means that everyone gets involved. We make it a daily issue and not just something that should happen at a particular day or time. But of course, like I said, these are good initiatives, but let's weave that into our daily fabric in how we deal with gender equality. Well, Majita, I really, really like that because that's something I've always struggled with. Like you say, we reached 31 March and 1 April is like status quo. You go back to normal and it's like March never happened. And this happens every single year. Or another one that that I've seen, especially in South Africa, is in August, a lot of webinars, a lot of engagement. And after that, they, they silence. and. Another issue as well is we have these meetings amongst ourselves and as much as it is good conversation, as you say, the initiatives are fantastic, but what happens after we discuss these in the meetings? There needs to be an action plan of a way forward to drive change through these conversations. But I guess that's why we're having this podcast, right? Yes, yes. I share the same sentiment with you. And I think, you know, when we talk about breaking the bias, it also means that I suppose as individuals on a day-to-day basis, we continue to say when 1 April comes, let's continue showcasing women in business or in different spheres uh, or different captains of industry. Let's just not be limited to celebrating women in March or you know, in August, you know, let us be the champions as we are. Um, You did mention to say that, you know, there needs to be a plan. And I think a simple plan is that we continue championing these causes beyond the specific designated dates. And that way we can effect the sort of change we want and promote gender equality on a day-to-day basis versus limiting it to certain periods. Yeah, I like that, Majita, because it has to be conscious. It will not happen by itself. I want to drive the conversation because I know, having been a friend of yours for a very long time, that you've had a very long and rich career. And a question I'll pose to you is whether your perception of gender bias has evolved as time has progressed. I would say yes. My perception of gender bias has definitely evolved over time. And, you know, one of the things that influences us as human beings is how we are raised, how we are brought up, what are our societal norms and traditions. And you find that as African women, fortunately or unfortunately, we are raised in a, what I would refer to as a largely patriarchal society. Um, you know, that tends to promote men rather than women in, in terms of exposure. And so as I've grown and as I have been exposed to, as I've traveled and have been exposed to different countries, to different cultures, to different resources, especially from an educational perspective, 
you know, my perception of gender bias has definitely evolved. And in fact, I found myself in, you know, catching myself uh, realizing that I may have, you know, perpetuated those certain levels of gender bias, uh, whether it's in a interview process or in some of the things I have done in a corporate setting, just largely based on, you know, how I had grown up. And I think if you had asked me what gender bias was when I was a teenager, I probably would not have been able to explain that to you. But as you grow older and as you experience certain things um, in your day-to-day lives, you then realize what gender bias is. Um, And then you try and make changes to ensure that, you know, that changes over time. So my perception has definitely changed because I'm more self-aware and conscious that certain things that someone might say that we would have, you know, we would have assumed is normal because of societal or traditional things are actually out of line uh, or certain expectations are actually out of line because they're skewed towards a particular bias against women, you know. So my perception, yes, has has definitely uh, evolved. And in that I'm more self-conscious and more aware uh, of gender bias. So I strive to then make a change where I, I am in terms of the sort of decisions affecting women around me or women, you know, women that I work with or, or in platforms that I contribute towards. Thank you, Marita. And um, it sounds like you have a good story to share on this one. <laughs> yes, I, I think, look, I, I have particularly, uh, I think in a corporate setting, experienced this. And I, I mean, if I give you a typical example is, you know, earlier on in, in my career, and funny enough, we went full circle, you know, we would sit in and potentially interview people coming in to take a particular role. And I think I actually caught myself saying that, okay, you know, the, the challenge we have is that um, with women, women are likely to take maternity leave and won't be in um, for a particular period of time, especially if they're a particular age. And so I, I realized, you know, probably five minutes later that I, what I was actually saying, I was basically saying that, you know, you can't hire women because, you know, we are going to take maternity leave, have kids, uh, and therefore we won't be able to give our maximum in, input uh, mm. into a particular job. And finally enough years later, then, um, when I was a shortlist, uh, I was in the top two for a particular role and the other person was a male candidate. Um, you know, it boiled down to both of us. We both had the same skills and I actually had more experience. And then someone made a comment. One of the gentlemen said, um, you know, he asked me, you know, how many children I had, if I was likely to have more children because, you know, it would be then difficult, you know, for you to go, go off on maternity leave. And I realized um that sort of bias that is there towards women, you know, progressing because you tend to think, then think if you take up, take up a job, you know, you can't have kids because then it affects the operations of, of your business, but it also hinders your career growth. And so, so, you know, I, I had to adjust myself because of the society. I grew up assuming that, okay, women are largely homemakers um, I've had to do some learning and unlearning of, you know, certain societal norms or what people consider societal norms 
of what women can do, what women can't do. I've, as time has evolved, learned that, you know, women can basically do a lot of things. And I'm not talking about from a strength, physical strength perspective, but women can con contribute equally just because their physiology is different, it doesn't mean they cannot do what men can do. And hence me trying to also then change to break that bias because within myself, I've also been a part of that problem. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's my story. You know, I, I was part of the problem and, and I think, you know, years later, uh, I have changed through becoming self-aware and becoming more educated. Um, and here we are, yeah. And that is so rich, Marita. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's not easy to be open and um, look at a wrong you might have done and openly share it. But in that lies the growth. And as you say, from that experience, when you played back, now you realize the wrong um, that you had done in perpetuating a societal view. And, and I'm sure you and I are both testimonies of women who've, you know, done, done the most we can in the environments that we can to push through as mothers and try to push our careers as well. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Thank you. So I'll ask you the last question here. You touch on a very important point, which is sometimes our roles or ability to get particular roles are hindered because we might still have the idea of wanting a big family. So someone then has a view that this will affect operations because they'll have to take maternity leave. And that's usually a challenge. And I know for myself, I really struggled with this when I started having children and I still wanted to push my career, but I could sense that resistance. Uh, sometimes the words are not said to your face, but you can sense some resistance. Uh, and perhaps it's a simple thing as, oh, you will not be considered for promotion this year because you were on maternity leave. So when you're now thinking of having a second, this plays on in your head because you're like, but it's going to affect my progression because um, I will have to go on maternity leave. So the result of that is a lot of women struggling and, and some of them deciding to leave corporate to be full-time mothers or to take lesser uh, or responsibilities or roles which have uh, less pressure. And this has resulted in a dramatic underrepresentation of women in senior roles. Um, is there any other reasons or anything that you've struggled with in, in the same line or that you've seen where you see that differential or struggle with women trying to go up the corporate ladder? Thanks for that. And I think you've touched on such a, a, a you know, great point of underrepresentation in senior roles, especially for women. And I think this is a, you know, this is so true. If you look at the statistics, it'll show you that women for sure are underrepresented here in South Africa. You'll see that only, I think, 3% of, of women uh, are, are CEOs in JC listed companies. And for a country with such a diverse 
population, you have to ask yourself why, you know, which comes back to the question. And so for me, I think, look, um, like I said, it boils down to societal expectations and traditional gender roles. They tend to dictate what women at certain ages of their lives should be doing. Therefore, you know, one finds that, you know, between, say, for example, 20 and 30, you know, it's okay to go to university to further, further your education. The moment a woman hits 30, you know, there's an expectation she's going to get married. Um, she's going to have kids. And so you find that um, the support structures are there for the linear way in which life should work, right? People will support you if you're saying you're going to take a break to get married, you're going to have kids. There'll always be that support system. The moment you go against societal norms and say, actually, I'm going to grow my career and defer having children, you already start seeing people frowning at you um, and not supporting you. So that road becomes a very lonely road purely because um, there's less support. I think as women, a lot of us thrive with the right kind of support. So you find that that dramatic underrepresentation is that um, those, you know, most women tend to take the road that has traveled the most, right? Because of the support structures. So where you don't have a support structure and you are not able to see other women doing well in their careers, uh, or people who look like you, you know, excelling and also having the family life, you then tend to say, okay, you know what, this path is not going to work for me. And then you find that most women then pull out of, move out of senior roles uh, or they hesitate to step up to take senior roles just to maintain the, the status quo. So I believe that, you know, that, you know, that's the reason why we have so much underrepresentation, especially in senior roles in, in corporate and even in government. But I must say that um, despite societal expectations and traditional gender roles, especially here in Africa, uh, I think we can learn something from the pandemic from COVID-19 in the sense that a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that we assumed were normal or our concepts of what normal was, was shaken. You know, the concept of going into an office, working, being physically present was done away with. The concept of having a headquarters, a physical brick and mortar building was done away with, right? And most people, even up to now, continue to work from home. We are using technology to continue business. And I feel that with these changes that have taken place, we are actually to, able to make more strides as women because technology can then play a part where we're able to participate um, in these roles, these senior roles, but also be able to be homemakers um, so your contribution is about what you are providing mentally or technically and not about you physically being there, which allows you to have more time with your family. And I, I do believe that with, you know, the advent knowledge as a result of, you know, COVID-19, we're going to see more and more representation of women in senior roles. And I think just the, you know, just COVID made us change norms. And I think even societal norms are also going to, we're going to see a shift in that. So I do believe that with these shifts and changes that are coming, we will likely see more and more women, you know, taking up senior roles because they are able to do that because of technology. Thank you. 
Thank you, Majita. That was fantastic. And you touched on a lot of points, but I will touch on the one of the last points you raised there, which was how COVID-19 brought about a mind shift. And you mentioned the first mind shift being you don't necessarily have to be sitting at your desk in an office in order to work. We have demonstrated that you can still perform, potentially perform at an even higher level when you're at home. But secondly, which I also found very interesting was the openness that people now had to the fact that you're working in an environment with children. You're sharing your space with children. You're a mother, you're a father, and them popping in when you're having a meeting is normal. So that has been normalized. Right. And, and you're right there to say that will definitely bring about changes which we might not see immediate effects, but definitely this should cascade into positive statistics in the near future. Majita, I just want to thank you for your vulnerability and openness and the richness of your views. And I'm sure a lot of women out there resonated with the examples that you shared, the stories that you shared. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Janice. And thank you uh, for allowing me to participate on this platform. I have no doubt um, that um, this will resonate with a lot of women. I wish you all the best uh, in the series and hope to catch up soon again. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to connect with or follow Marita, I've added her LinkedIn profile together with this podcast. I love hearing from you. Please continue getting in touch and sharing your views. If you have any questions you would want covered in the series this month of March, please do email me at janice at pamuuyu.com and we'll try as much as we can to cover the questions with the next women that we will be talking to. See you soon.